0: Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. Today, I'm so excited because we're in the music business and in the writing business, like this hybrid spot. On the podcast today is Adam Cole. Adam, it's so good to have you on the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So uh, you guys that don't may not know Adam, he's the co-director of the Grant Park Academy of the Arts in Atlanta, Georgia, of course, my hometown, but also an author of numerous fiction and nonfiction books. We're going to dive into those today. But most importantly, we're talking about his new book, and you guys are going to love this title, Management Jazz, Lead Like a Band Leader. <laughs> I can't even wait. I mean, when you sent me this information, I was like, "I we have to do this interview because I'm just so curious. And uh, as I dove into it, I thought, how cool that you're writing about musical techniques and things that you've learned that apply to the business world. And I, I'm just so excited to, j- to jump in. Well, great. Yeah. So, all right. Let's start with, talk about your day job
1: and how you got into the music business. Okay. Well, for the last 14 years, I've been a music educator. Uh, but I while I was a music educator, I was also a leader of people. Uh, I was a mentor to upcoming music teachers. I was a project manager for the state of Georgia, uh, helping them with uh, their standards. And I was in charge of a lot of people there. I was the chair of the Department of General Music for Fulton County Schools. So throughout, all, while I was, uh, not a whole lot of people realize this, but public education is a very corporate world, even though it's education. And so working with other teachers was very much like you know, it was a very corporate experience. Any other business. Exactly. Right. And so I, uh, you know, as the years went by, I started to think, well, you know, there's a lot of things that, but prior to my experience as an educator, I was a band leader. I, I led the Adam Cole trio for 10 years in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> wow. Managed <musicians. laughs> Jazz trio. Yeah, it was a jazz yep. trio. We did weddings and catered events and things like that. And I have friends, of course, that have done touring around the world. Absolutely. I haven't done that particularly, but we've talked and. Sure. I have a friend who's a manager. He used to manage Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter, and we've talked about his experiences as a a manager. And the more we talked, the more I thought, well, you know, these two areas they have a lot in common, and I think a lot of business people would benefit from knowing some of these things because they probably think of music as being this—I don't know—fun, freewheeling thing (laughs) that you know. And reality is
0: out there, creative.
1: Exactly. And and the 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 fact is that that all has to sit on top of a very solid business framework. And if it if the business isn't working. The music doesn't happen. So, so you're in the jazz trio. So, what was your what what instruments do you play? I'm a piano player and a singer. Oh wow, very yeah.
0: very nice. And um, so you're you're doing that. And then you had written a couple of other books like that, that led up to this one, right? So, how did you get into the whole the writing space in addition to your music?
1: Oh, the writing came first. I've been writing since I was about six years old. Ah, so writing is in my blood. It's uh, it's not something I. I mean, I've learned a lot about writing, but it's something I would do no matter what, I don't even, you know, I just, I just write. Yeah. So the music came after. I and totally I, get that, by the way. <laughs> That's yeah. sort of, that if
0: you know, it's interesting. If you like to write, whether it's blogging, books, whatever, you just kind of are always going to be a writer. That's, That's my theory. Yeah. yeah. It's just a natural outlet, right?
1: Right. So you start writing and then talk about some of your early books. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I started with fiction. Um, a lot of short stories and some novels. Uh, the Myth of Magic was my first book. It took me about 17 years to get it right. 17 years? <laughs> yeah, it went through a number of editions. <laughs> I have a habit of taking years on certain uh, books. So. Gosh. Uh, but uh, I started in the realm of... Uh, publishing these books, and I uh, I continued with more fiction. And then I started, as I went through the music education business, I started thinking, oh, you know, all these things I'm doing in my classroom, I bet other teachers would benefit from these. So, I started writing books on how to teach teachers. Interesting. Um, Authentic Ways of Teaching Jazz was a book about all the different ways you could incorporate jazz into your program, why you would want to do it, even if you were just a general music teacher, a book on how to teach people how to sing, how to stand in chorus. So, just all these different books. And so wow. I just continued to write them. And now I'm kind of venturing more into the business world.
0: I love it. I love it. And you've converted that into almost a, a side hustle, another business or another business area for yourself, which I think is so cool. So let's talk about uh, management jazz, by the way, uh, and lead like a band leader. How did you come up with the name? I love that first.
1: Well, um, <laughs> I, I guess I was trying to think, You know, as a an author, you want to pick a title that's going to attract your core audience, right. but you don't want to... Uh, Alienate them either. I mean, you want to, it's it's definitely about the jazz of managing people. You sure. know how to make that work for yourself. Uh, but I didn't just want it to be management jazz because then nobody who doesn't it's like, like jazz exactly. Yeah. You don't like well, I,
0: you don't know if it's like music or something. Right. About, you know, my yeah.
1: target audience is not musicians. My target audience is somebody out there in the corporate world that wants to manage people and has tried everything. You know, they just I, not good at it. They don't understand people. <laughs> they just assume everybody did their job and left them alone and went home. And then I'm like I get you, man. But as a musician, I think I know some things that could help you. So I'm that's who I'm trying to attract.
0: I love this. Okay, so I just think it's so cool. So <laughs> thank you. The, <laughs> and you know, it's fun <laughs> doing too. interviews in person. By the way, there's a totally different dynamic than on the phone. <laughs> I just have to tell you. So um, so <laughs> on that topic though, you talk about how as a leader, um, you can really impact your work and your company's teams through a structured improvisation improvisation model. Talk about what that is because my sense was that that was really the core of what you were writing about.
1: That in a sense it is. Most of the book deals with situations in music that I translate over into the corporate world. For instance, the different types of people in a music situation. Okay. This uh, this isn't the exact answer to your question. No, no, this is good. I'm going to get there. Uh, For instance, in the music world you have people that go on tour with celebrities like you may be Bruce Springsteen's uh, guitar player or something like that and how do you, you know, you don't want to be better than Bruce or you're going to get fired but at the same time you have to be really good right and so is there an analogy in the business world where you know you're just kind of like you've been sent to work with this you know very impressive person and you know they want your best work but they don't want you to outshine them so those are the I make those kind of analogies then you've got people that are like studio musicians that they live in a city and they just hang out in a studio and like if somebody needs them to come in and just put down five seconds of music yep they're gonna call that guy because they're that good, or that woman right. because she's that good. She's just gonna they can nail hear it, it and play it exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What do you need? Okay, yep. you need it to Done. sound just like you know the Isley Brothers. Yeah. You bet I can do that. Zap. Right. So um, there are people in the business world too, consultants that are just really like sharpshooters, you know, and they make their living by being on call. You know, have gun will travel. Sure. You know, you need me. Come on in. You know, I'll come in and I'll take care of your problem, and then I'm gone like the wind. Yep. You know, and then you got your hardworking band musicians, the people that are just in bands around the city. You know, they play every Saturday night at somebody's right. wedding or bar mitzvah. You know, these are just like, <laughs> these guys are basically the same, the, the the folks in the office that just come in and hopefully, you know, they're not interested in glory. They just want to make their money. They want to do their job and they want to do it well. And you don't want to confuse these people. You don't want to hire a sharpshooter to be one of these workaday guys because they want to, you know, they want to do their thing and get out of there. So that's what a lot of the book is about, but it culminates in this activity for managers. Which I call the the storytelling game. If you don't mind, I'll tell you how Please this works. Please
0: dive in. I love the idea of
1: storytelling. The storytelling game is a way to teach people how to interact with one another, and the game involves. It basically takes two minutes to play. You have four players. Um, you have a story. Uh, you have a uh, a designer, okay. a storyteller, a helper, and a timekeeper. Okay, okay. four people, four two minutes. Pe- that's right. They get so they get one minute first to, to plan it out the designer has to design the story they organize the story they have to decide how what it's going to be about what's you know how it's going to go and they communicate this to the other three team members at the end of 1 minute they no longer can do anything they have to step back the storyteller is going to tell that story based on what the organizer creates they have 1 minute to tell this story okay they can't take less than a minute and they can't take more than a minute it has wow. to last for so one whole minute so they have to
0: improvise
1: that's right so they have to t- hopefully the organizers done their job and communicated but if the storyteller wants to go a different direction they do have that power now there are two people helping the storyteller one is the helper if the storyteller gets stuck starts going bah, 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 <laughs> the helper can either suggest something say hey talk about this or the helper can just step in and take over Got it. Right? And um, then there's the timekeeper. And the timekeeper's job is very important because that story's got to be a minute. So, the timekeeper's like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, one minute. So, they've got to work together and they've got to both stick to their roles and know when to exceed their roles to do this. And this is an analogy for how a lot of bands work. And so, tie that back. For a lot of people listening, they
0: maybe have wanted to be in a band, thought about being in a band, wish they had played an instrument or sing, but they've never been in a band. So, talk about some of the context of being in a band and the dynamics
1: of that. Well, this game provides people with a somewhat of an experience of what it's like to be in a band. Like, for for instance, a jazz trio. You got your drummer. And your drummer is basically the organizer of this thing in some sense. They'll set the the mood of it. Like, depending on how they play, it's either going to be kind of smooth or it's going to be you know more rigid. so they kind of set the tone. Uh, the bass player, believe it or not, is the timekeeper. Like they're the one that's really kind of making sure everybody stays together. Um, then you've got your saxophone player, or your guitar player. they're telling that story. They're out front. They're the one everybody's looking at. And they're telling that story, but they get stuck sometimes. So you've got a piano player behind them and the piano player's going, you know, giving them little chords and mm-hmm. feeding them ideas. And when they fall out, the piano player can go do, 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 and come in. So, um, and to tell you the truth, at some point, all four musicians may take all four roles. You know, it's possible for the piano player to be the organizer or even the saxophone player, but there are these roles and everybody can't be the organizer at once.
0: Right, no question. So then tying it back to the the game, so what's the takeaway from the game As in when you're playing one of those roles?
1: The takeaway is that you should know what your role is. You should do it to the best of your ability, but you should also be paying attention to what's happening in the moment. If the helper and the storyteller die out, that organizer can jump in there and tell that sure. story. And this may sound familiar to people in the business world sure, and to people who are doing their job aren't doing their job anymore right. and suddenly they're not there.
0: I like the that. idea of it being time box of two minutes. I mean, I think it, it creates artificial pressure. And it creates a, a burning platform for a decision or to, to, to do something.
1: Yeah. And it makes the game funny too. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> I can only imagine playing that with a room full of team members. Yeah. So um, what are the other elements of, you think about the dynamics of the band and how it applies then over to the business world. What are some of the other things that you talk about in your book in terms of uh, the model?
1: Well, the rest of the book deals with things like uh, knowing who you're, who's working for you, knowing what they're doing, knowing their strengths, getting the right people in the right positions. No question. Uh, listening, knowing when to push them and when to step back and let them do their own thing. What are the rules? When do you want the rules to be there? When do you want to let the rules slide? Um, and I always put in an analogy to music throughout
0: yeah so and you've seen a lot of different bands some that are just unbelievable in terms of working together and others that really struggle <laughs> right so talk about some of the 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 reasons that a band does well like what are the, the the attributes of that and then maybe some of the reasons that a band does not do well and falls apart
1: <laughs> well the first band that popped in mind was eagles you know, um, and I'm just fascinated by their working model. Uh, you have two band members that are very much in charge, uh, Henley and Fry. Right. And they're just, they're really rigid about what the band does and how it's going to work. And the other members, as powerful and as strong musicians as they are, they're very much, you know, having... In to, the background. following the background. The,
0: following the path.
1: And yeah. the documentary on Eagles really showed... You know, just how strong that was, band members fighting and coming and going. And, you know, on one hand, you've got Eagles, this beautiful music, really powerful, unbeatably clean and well-structured stuff. And the, you know, and they stayed on the air for 40 years. So that structure they created was very powerful and it worked really well. But it also created a whole lot of havoc interpersonally.
0: No question. So that's one that had a good result, but was managed and operating in a strange way. What about other models that you'd seen?
1: Well, um, there are other bands that I've both been in and seen working, where the members are more democratic. Uh, I, I, you know, just they have a, a a kind of an arrangement which you know makes it more fun for them. Now, these bands may not be as successful, or they may be successful. It all depends on how they manage the interpersonal dynamics between them.
0: And the manager as well. And the manager is an important
1: part is of that. It's an interesting
0: role in the band. Yeah. So you talk about also how you started and overcoming some of the challenges you had to face as a musician. And one that I think people will be surprised to hear, and that's not unusual in the music industry, is that you had
1: significant...
0: Have. have <laughs> you still have stage fright. I yes. mean, I think most people don't realize there's a lot of musicians that are introverts and have a lot of stage fright.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, in fact, stage fright is fairly normal. And I tell my students that it's you know, it's absolutely part of the deal that you should expect to feel some stage fright because you're going into a situation where you are on the line, your reputation's on the line, and you're not in control of 90% of the elements in the situation. People could leave, laugh. Walk out, you know, make right. noise. The instruments might not be working. You might not be feeling well. Forget the words. Exactly. Get so distracted. you're distracted. Yeah. Sound isn't right. You got to keep going. Right. Mic falls
0: out. I mean.
1: So who wouldn't be afraid in that situation? <laughs> you know?
0: But all wouldn't you say over time? Though I mean, with it's more of repetition and and experience in different situations that gets you more comfortable with the. It does the overcoming. Now, I
1: had severe stage fright when I was in my 20s. It was so bad that I could not. Um, perform to my ability in front of people like I was not able to manifest what I was actually able to do in front of people and when I did you know I actually the funny thing is I listened to some tapes of me playing in my 30s and I listened to them and they sound a lot like me now and they're just fine but at the time I was just m- mortified by them I was like oh this is horrible I, I'm so bad you know I, thankfully I've moved way past that I don't feel that way anymore but you know the the little voice can be very cruel I, I-
0: <laughs> absolutely You yeah, definitely can you gotta fight it away well and and before we get to you know where our listeners can connect you with you and whatnot talk about um, some of the the challenges and also how the process has changed around writing and around publishing because you've been doing this for a while um, and the and things have certainly changed with technology and whatnot now
1: yes I began publishing books about know, 30 years ago wow. and uh, when I started the only way you could do it was to publish thousands of books put them in a warehouse contract right. whole you know contact wholesalers and distributors and, and hope. get them into bookstores and i did i was able to get my first wow, nice published job. book into barnes and nobles all across the country and that and was and for those cool.
0: listening that is not normal no <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> just to manage expectations <laughs>
1: <laughs> it it was very difficult and uh since, you know, over the years, of course, um, print-on-demand started where you could print yep, just as many books as you needed. And now with the electronic publishing, there's lots more options. I went to the San Francisco Writers' Convention, which I recommend. was a great convention. went there about a year and a half ago. And I was surprised that not only were there tons of self-publishing people there, but it was just part of everybody's conversation. It wasn't even like authors who were published by, you know, Random House weren't going, Well, you you know, used to be there was like one person saying, Well, I self-publish and if you'd like to learn more about right, that and you'd come you find like, me in the know, corner yeah, with the cobwebs. Totally, you know, nobody wants to talk to me, but you can. But instead, like these authors that have been published, you know, twelve times or like well, you know, there's self publishing. That's definitely an option. And you want to do this and you want to do that. And then if you want to go the traditional route, I was just, and the resources that are available to no people question. who want to publish themselves, it's wonderful. It's a great no time question. to be doing it. Yeah. And I always
0: tell people just start getting ideas down. You know, you probably have found, like for me, I always carry a notebook with me when I travel, electronic notebook, and I put notes down all the time. And then what I found is over time, that becomes something, right? If you're, if you enjoy writing, that will become, Enough content that you can start putting ideas around in a framework. Do you
1: keep a notebook by your bed?
0: I do, you, actually. Do you dream? Yeah, it? because I wake up with ideas sometimes, <laughs> yeah. like song ideas even, and then yeah. I'll record it on my iPhone. That's awesome. That's crazy. Or sometimes book ideas, I know. Total, total my best,
1: No, no, I've gotten some of my best songs from that. Oh, yeah. Just write down.
0: You know. I know. For me, too, It's. I, I, I swim in the mornings and yeah. I have... These ideas, and then I get out and have to literally run <laughs> to put them down because they will disappear. right. I mean, I don't, yeah, right? I mean if you don't
1: get it down, as good as they are, they'll. God, I love
0: meeting other creatives. Um, okay, so <laughs> Adam, love this idea. I Love your book. Where can our listeners find you? How can they connect with you? I know you do a lot of speaking. Like, mm-hmm. where can people come and connect with you?
1: Uh, I would start with my website, uh, www.acole.net. A C O L E dot net. And that has links to how to contact me and uh, how to find me and how to book me for public speaking.
0: That's so cool. I, um, I'm really excited about this. And I love just your balance of like the creative side plus the leadership side. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Totally. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.